0: You have reached a phone call from Paul, a literary hub podcast. To hear more, visit lethub.com. Part 1 of Paul Holden Graber's Conversation with Alain de Botton.
1: Hello. Hello, could I please speak with Alain de Botton? Hello. hello, hello, Alain. I'm so, I'm so happy you're taking this phone call. What, of course, of course. What, what am I interrupting? What have you been doing um, today?
0: I'm uh, writing about David Hume.
1: You're writing about David Hume. What are you writing about David Hume? <laughs> this, is not, this is not a response one gets every day uh, when you ask people what they've been doing. Mm-hmm. They, they don't always tell you, I've been writing about David Hume.
0: Yes, so I've been um, I've been trying to make sense of him and what really matters in him because there's so many things one could say about David Hume or indeed any thinker. So the challenge is always to come up with a few things that seem really pertinent and interesting. And um, I think I've hit on a solution, um, but I'm still grappling
1: with him, can, fighting can, David Hume, fi- fighting David Hume. Can you can you tell me a little bit uh, both what? I mean, it might be a little bit premature to say what it is, but perhaps more more importantly, how you go about trying to make sense of thinkers and and what the purpose is of making sense for them, what, what making sense means for you.
0: I think you have to proceed very intuitively and you have to listen to your own boredom. Um, the moment you're getting bored, probably somebody else is getting bored too. So it's about trying to do justice to a thinker, but in a way, trying often to help them to say what maybe they never quite said as crisply as they should. Um, Because it's one of the great taboos of intellectual life, that we imagine that the people who've got the best ideas have expressed them in the best ways. And often that isn't true. Um, Often some of the most brilliant ideas are lying trapped um, deep underground, uh, if you like. And it's the job of, in a way, the, the cultural critic to, to open up tunnels underneath and to scrape away the dirt and to, in a way, bring up to the surface where they can be used and admired some of these bits of uh, knowledge that are otherwise um, kind of lodged in the middle of some pretty unprepossessing
1: stuff. So, so um, in, a, in, a, in a sense, you're... You're lending them a hand.
0: Yes, which, you know, sounds. Um, I, I, I
1: know it sounds. Uh, I, I handed,
0: uh, because, you know, one could say, well, you know, well, they don't care. They're long gone. But it, look, I think it's. Um, there's a job of translation to be done um, sometimes. Um, and I think that, in cool. many ways, that is what a writer often is, you know, even if you're not writing about. David Hume, you're you're trying to translate your own feelings or your perceptions. Um, writers are constantly trying to build a bridge between the kind of chaos and confusion that's in most of our minds most of the time, and and just trying to to provide more lucid accounts at points about how life is.
1: You know, it 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 makes me think that writers, in the true sense of the word, pontificate in the sense that they. They build bridges, Pontifex, you know they build a bridge between what was and what is and in 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 your case it as when you say cultural critic, I often you know I'm asked what it is I do, and I always say I'm kind of the curator of public curiosity uh trying trying in some way to to make what what may seem arcane and what may seem. Reserved for the erudite actually palpable, tangible and um, something that gives people appetite
0: Yes, I mean, and that's, you know, absolutely and it's, it's a very honourable and, and ongoing task because um, you know we have ever less time our minds are assaulted with information at, at every point and um, you know the, the tragedy is that we have many, many good ideas in circulation. They just aren't the best ones. Often prominent enough, either in our own minds or in the culture more generally. Um, so, you know, there's always a role I think for people who, who want to, you know, go down the mine shaft, get out these ideas, and and bring them to the surface. Um, that's as important as. Um, maybe
1: people who opened up the tunnels in the first place, as it were. You know, um, what you were saying about about writers not always, and thinkers for that matter, not always being their best friends in terms of expression, goes so much a grain, uh, uh, against the grain of what I learned when I was growing up in Europe. I remember in, in Belgium we, we studied Boileau, and Boileau said something like, Ce qui se conçoit clairement s'énonce clairement et les mots pour le dire viennent aisément. What you, what you understand clearly, you think about clearly and words to express it come to you with great lucidity. That is probably not the case. I mean, it's not the case the same way Another Latin saying I grew up with, which I'm rebelling against to this day, I mean, we, we do rebel against statements that are made sort of with certainty, which was a statement uh, degustibus non disputandum est, you do not debate of, of, of tastes, um, taste is something you cannot debate, and I often think, Alain, that the only interesting thing is to talk about taste.
0: Well, I mean, you know, you're absolutely right that there's a kind of prestige of obscurity, um, and there are good reasons because we we do sense rightly that um, many many things are are extremely complex. Um, but I think we, the fatal confusion is to think that because something is complex, its complex exposition or expression is um, you know means that somebody's on track. Um, and I suppose I've always looked to people like Voltaire, who, you know, was an example of somebody who tried really hard to um, make his writing seem utterly clear uh, and like common sense. Um, and in fact, it wasn't really at all. But it, you know, the the best moments I think in French culture uh, have been, you know, that kind of tradition that, that goes from Voltaire, that dedication to plain speaking. I mean, you find it even before Voltaire, people like Montaigne and Pascal. But um, it's it's basically a, a kind of commitment to entering the the thickets of of human experience and making sure that your reportage is is pretty clear. Um, but you know, the Germans, bless them, um, <laughs> have have introduced a different idea to the world, and it seems odd to single out a, a particular country. Germany was so dominant in the 19th century and really infected um, uh, Western culture with, with an idea that the more obscure something is, the more intelligent it stands a chance of being, um, which has just been absolutely fatal. Um, modernism took this on board, uh, and generally, you know, we live in a world that's divided between commercial culture, which places enormous premium on clarity, and the idea that, you know, your radio jingle or advert will get across to its audience immediately that there are there are very highly paid people um who who spend their lives making sure that messages are absolutely you know, aimed like a missile to pierce our hearts and our minds um meanwhile some people dealing with very important material about democracy about um emotional maturity uh, about liberty money all sorts of very big topics um are being discussed um without such a premium on clarity with the result that um you know the gulf between the thoughts of the elite and the thoughts of everyone else uh, are sometimes painfully large and um and everybody suffers because we live in a democracy and in a democracy it is so important that uh, intellectuals have a mass impact um, because it's a mass society. If it's not going to be the intellectuals, I mean, I don't mean just intellectuals, but um, that you know people who've got very high ambitions should marry up those high ambitions with um, uh, you know properly democratic ideals of kind of discourse, and that's going to be hard um, if you're also dedicated to a kind of German uh,
1: notion of sounding complicated you that uh, you, you when i interrupted you so rudely as you were working on hume is this for an essay you're doing or is it for one of those wonderful short videos you do about about writers which i i must say um for those of us listening to us uh, everybody should should look at the school of life and and the the those links you you provide to wonderful people like La Rochefoucauld and La Bruyère and Montaigne. I, I, I think they're highly informative and make things simple without simplifying them.
0: Um, well, thank you. I mean, I, I set myself the challenge it, the, the essays for both. Um, and um, it's, you know, it's, it's about a year ago, um, I was uh, cruising around the internet, came across various channels on YouTube that had some pretty high ambitions in science, trying to explain pretty complicated things in science. Um, there seems to be less of that going on in the humanities, so I thought it would be a nice idea to uh, you know make some little films around some some of the thinkers that I think are are, are very interesting among them, as you mentioned Proust and uh, Voltaire and uh, psychoanalysts and et etc and um, to try and and make little films and it 's been a very pleasant and interesting journey. Um, you know, on YouTube you talk to the world and um, yeah, I mean I think for me that's all part of you know, what it means to do what I do in in this kind of current age where uh, writing takes place in many different formats at many different lengths and to different audiences.
1: And, and it seems to me that, that one of the forms that I think both of us, I don't know if, if I would say enjoy but This gravitational pull in me towards Twitter, which I sometimes feel bad about. I sometimes feel I I shouldn't be spending some of my waking hours doing this. uh, okay. Okay. So, so um, yeah. you've you've just given me, um, you've just issued to me uh, the 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 kind of um, warning that I need, Alain, which is I prob I probably shouldn't, but you were about to say nevertheless. We all need.
0: But indeed, as as Hume um, it, it tells us, we are all much more the creatures of. Uh, our passions than of reason so long as we recognise that we can put measures in place um, but it's um, look it, it is a, a an addictive medium for it is that are not particularly noble um, and um, look it, it it has its place but I think that you know people setting out to do um, big projects have a particular struggle in this day and age with, um, with digital media that is made to be compelling um, and made to interrupt our are longer and uh, more sincere thought processes. So we probably should, um, all of us, uh, you know, keep an eye on that. But, you know, I'm the first to admit it's hard.
1: Well, but, but you know, it's hard, and what I want to get to... Um, nearly, Alain, because I need your help in understanding this, uh, the, the, the reason there's an attraction on my part is that it keeps a certain distance from the various people one is communicating with. And at the same time, of course, it brings them perhaps too close to us. But most importantly, and I I would say fundamentally, for people who live their lives through various forms of quotations, Twitter and the short form, whether it's 140 characters or less, seems seems to be the, the 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 right place. In other words, there's something about aphorisms today that find a perfect home in that medium.
0: Yes, I mean you know, and it's 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 a great challenge um to you know to, to hammer a, a a big thought into a, a few words um and a tiny space. Um for me another attraction is that it's um very quick and you know when i started out in publishing you would have an idea one year and you know two years later you'd see it in print and um and you'd, you'd get some reactions um with twitter obviously the whole thing takes under a minute um and you learn quite a lot so sometimes when i'm writing i'll just lift a sentence and put it on twitter um and just see what happens to it uh, It could be provocation really or a, you know, something—an insight—and and just see what kind of echoes it it gets, and you do actually learn a lot. It's a it's a kind of live test bed, and some people tell you you're an idiot immediately, others right. question it, and you know, you, um, there's proper insight on offer, and and that's great.
1: And in a way, it's it's uh, it's just a new form of 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 doing what we do when we read, which is speak to other people and tell them. I mean, it's a very private enterprise that ends up being quite public in the sense that one wants to share the insights one has gotten. I mean, you know, I think it's Montaigne who said that the best exercise of our our, uh, mind is conversation. And he meant, I think, the conversation that comes after the solitary act of reading the great minds of the past. That's right. I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's that rather touching word
0: loneliness. Um, we're all, you know, one of the most powerful motives of all is, uh, is the desire to communicate. We have that word love and, um, you know, but scratch beneath the word love, uh, it, it's often a desire to, uh, to learn and to share and to, um, you know, as we're falling towards our death, to kind of exchange notes on how things are feeling on your end of things. Sort of what we're doing now on the phone. Yes. Um, you know, we're, we're all we're all solitary creatures with a with a ultimately solitary destiny. Um, but you know, there's nothing nicer than, uh, as I say, to, to kind of swap notes on how it's going so far.
1: Yes, and, 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 normally... and, and in a way, and in a way, you know, my my initial question, what am I interrupting, was a way of saying now that you are interrupted and no longer alone for a while. Um, Even though there's good reason to believe that when you're reading um, Hume you're not alone, Um, but you are alone in a particular way that is different than a phone call where you hear the grain of the voice, You, you hear someone who's questioning you, you hear someone who's trying to get an exchange. Who's trying to make a connection? I mean, truly, and in a in a sense, the the word love, which I know you've been preoccupied with, particularly as of late. Not not that you were not before. I think it's a, a subject a subject that I somehow he's I mean,
0: professionally is, occupied of late.
1: Yes, but it's a subject that has, <laughs> professionally and personally, and in your case, these things, um, uh, sort of, mix up in 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 a way that such subjects naturally do um through our experience of love and through thinking what other people have written about love and and I I I'd, I'd love as it were um for you to to tell me a little bit about this this anti-romantic novel uh, that is just about to come out in America and I think may have already come out in England or just about to come out in England uh, on love.
0: Um, well, so this is a yes, a novel I'm publishing soon, and um, it's it's really looking at the way in which um, we suffer from certain romantic ideas, romantic with a capital R, um, and that these ideas, though they seem to be the friends of love, are in fact the enemies of love, and that most of us, if we're to be able to have long-term relationships, which most of us do actually want, um, will probably have to be disloyal to many of the emotions and ideas that get us into love in the first place. Um, And these ideas include such thoughts as the notion of a soulmate, someone to whom your own soul is connected through almost subterranean ways that you don't even have to speak. The other understands you. Um, It's a beautiful idea, very dangerous idea. (laughs) because we're talking about communication. The notion that someone can understand you without having taught them who you are is, well, it's catastrophic because most of the time we we can't understand people. Um, It's not a coincidence. We have language. We need to use it. And um, so that's a very fateful idea. Romantics are guilty of of other ideas which have made our life difficult. For example, really that there's a divorce between um, love and practical life. Um, love as we've come to know it from the kind of 18th, 19th century heritage is really a kind of leisured activity that takes place on summer evenings where people are able to go for long walks, admire the sea, the cliffs, um, the underside of the clouds lit by the sun. But it's, it's hard, we have a hard time marrying that up with what we sometimes call uh, in slightly bad mood, reality.
1: And, right, um, the, the quotidian. many, many
0: relationships founder on the kind of contrast. I mean, this is the theme of Um, Flaubert's great novel Madame Bovary, which is really all about how somebody with a romantic worldview um, gets incredibly distressed and thinks that something's gone fatefully wrong in her life because she's got to organize the laundry and buy milk and um, look after her young daughter. And this seems so different from anything she's ever read about in romantic novels. And the reason why that novel is so interesting is because it's a novel that's complaining that most novels, not complaining directly, but indirectly complaining that most novels have led the heroine into trouble
1: um, because they've created unrealistic expectations of love.